Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I do have Terry Kemper with me. Good morning, Terry. You do so. You do so. Good morning, Merle. So? You're going to sow some seeds? <laughs> Actually, I am. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know if I've been just hanging out on YouTube too much, but I'm feeling really inspired to do some seeds this year. So uh, awesome. I actually was at the store this past over the weekend and uh, um, grabbed some uh, some pepper seeds, a few pepper seeds and a few tomatoes. So we're going to give those a go this year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I actually, I, I was, I've been trying to drink lots of lemon water and because uh, I, I like, I, I got to drink more water, but I, I don't like the flavor of just plain water. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Not that I dislike it, but I just I prefer to have uh, a little flavor. So I've been uh, putting lemon slices and a little squeeze of organic lemons in my water just to ensure I hydrate more. But a bunch of seeds fell off, and I'm slicing them. I'm like, ah, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna start some more because I have done it in the past. And lemons are actually probably one of the easiest things to seed. And it kind of makes you feel good, like you're like, hey, I am a gardener. Um, I know I'm on the radio and I talk about gardening, but actually, I am a gardener, so <laughs> it makes it re revalidates. Yeah, my, uh, my <laughs> you don't you don't just play one on TV. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a real <laughs> real one. And uh, anyway, it's kind of funny, but um, so I got him, and and this one my. It's funny, my wife Carolyn. She always, when I start little projects, she'll see a bunch of seeds on the windowsill. She goes, "Oh, what are you doing with those? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> We're gonna grow those babies. We're gonna grow some lemons in the back." <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's kind of funny, but uh, yeah. So I just leave them on the windowsill for a few days, let them dry out, and then you just break open like you would a, a peanut, I guess, for lack of a better term, and you get the the good seed inside the the crust on the outside and then you plant that and uh, they actually germinate very successfully with fairly easy just get them some soil into a small pot um, cover them with a little bit of saran wrap after after you've um, got the soil nice and moist and two or three weeks you'll have little lemons popping up so um, if you are looking at get some good Meyer lemon seeds and uh and start your own and uh, yeah, they grow cool. actually quite yeah they grow quite good um and i did get a text in earlier um and for everybody pruning or sending in the yes votes we okay, we got it i think that pulls over um we got the message and uh um yeah anyways i heard it was a thing yesterday or something i don't know but we're getting lots and lots of so I'm yeah, trying to keep track of them, <laughs> trying to keep track of them in between my uh, gardening techs. So I thought they're going, yes, 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 for my lemon seeds. But I think it's something else. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, just borrow the hype. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let her just, just bring it in, bring it in. Uh, <laughs> so like uh, the Chiefs are going to try to do today. And not that anybody needs to uh, hear more about Taylor Swift, but um, that is the talk. And it's quite a good marketing thing. This, the NFL is just loving it, right? They didn't even really pay for it. Or maybe they did somewhere down the line. But they're just getting, like, massive marketing for free, right? Just to have a player date Taylor Swift. And maybe we'll send her a note. We'll get her into gardening. 
Hey, that's uh, a good idea. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Her and the Kels brothers will get on their podcast and we'll, we'll invite them on ours. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's mm, do like this. Yeah, let's do this. As the, <laughs> they say a lot of other things that we're not allowed to say on their podcast, but <laughs> maybe, maybe she'll write a song about us. There you go. <laughs> Our new spruce it up jingle by Taylor Swift. Uh, plant it up. Plant it up. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I like it. All right. If anybody has any ideas, let's let's plant it up. Um, <laughs> oh, God. What did I have in my coffee today? Anyway, it's kind of funny. All right. If you'd like to join us, we're going to have some fun stuff today, too. We have... Uh, Pierre Marlowe, and he's the president of the CDBA. And you're all wondering, okay, what is that? That is the Calgary and District Beekeepers Association. So we're going to chat uh, bees in the garden and in your yard. And uh, if you're looking at getting uh, doing some bee things in your yard, um, yeah, Pierre's going to join us and, uh, just after the break at 930. And we're going to chat a little bit about that. So, uh, uh, bees are so nice in the garden. You, you do yeah, feel <clears> better. <throat> like, you feel like you're a real gardener when you see the bees in your garden. Like, yeah. Um, and, they, and the real bees, not the wasps, they, they hide in the garden. You have to actually stop and sort of like they say, smell the roses. You have to stop and look at the flowers most of the time to see the bees. Because they kind of camouflage in the flowers. Like, I've gone by tons of flowers, and all of a sudden, you, oh, there's no bee. You might see the odd one. But then you stop and look, and there's like 20 of them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of going about their business. Like, <clears throat> yeah, they're uh, they're fascinating to actually watch in the garden. Sometimes if I, you know, head down busy, you know, doing some weeding or something, uh, and I know there's bees around me, sometimes I'll just stop and pause, and you just, you just watch them, and they're fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I had a client earlier last summer want to, she was concerned there was some aphids and a few other bugs in the garden and she wanted to just spray everything. And uh, I kind of gave the spray company a bit of an education and, and, and her client and just said, hey, I don't think we want to do that. Like there's tons of beneficial bugs that we, um, let's spray the Virginia creeper and a couple other things where those, uh, where those, um, leaf hoppers and some other stuff are on, but just to blast the whole thing. And once I explained it to the spray company and uh, and the client, they they both agreed. Yeah, let's just do more spot spraying, and let's not uh, just annihilate the whole garden and uh, and end up with no beneficial bugs because there's so many beneficial bugs in the garden that you just don't want to go in and blast it and uh many many years ago i used to work for a, a company and i'm not going to mention the name because um we used to, i i was on the spray truck and i just i hated it it was sort of you just went around your route and you just sprayed the whole yard just because it was their turn on the calendar they paid for a program mm -hmm. and i just i just uh ours will never be that way on the bug thing we spray if you have a problem or if you if you need it things like that but just um, going out to spray because it's Tuesday, June 5th or whatever day it is. Um, I just, 
something I don't agree with. And, uh, and I learned that actually doing it, I'm saying, okay, I'm never going to do this. I didn't last very long. I think it was a couple of weeks of doing that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do something else. And, uh, anyways, that, that kind of thing. So, um, I'm sure Pierre will have some thoughts on that as well. When we chat about, uh, bees in the garden, I'm always fascinated about it. Cause you do see a lot of beehives in around when you drive south of calgary and there's quite a few there's quite a few in the city so be interesting to see yeah it is a really intriguing topic for sure yeah i guess a lot of people get nervous right if all of a sudden your neighbor you see a bunch of bee boxes out there and you have little kids you're kind of like okay am i gonna get are they over my yard gonna be swarming so we'll just ask a couple questions like that as well because there's i'm sure good and bad in the bee world because i and it is interesting. I remember a few years ago we had uh, a beehive move into the tree lot, and uh, all of a sudden it was on one of the I don't know one of the caliper trees. It was on one of the I can't remember what kind of tree it was on, but it was uh, also looking the tree lot. It was just overnight, and all of a sudden there's like a one foot by two foot beehive, and it's just like holy cow, where'd that come <laughs> from? This swarming, right? So we called uh, one of the beekeepers just south. I think it was Chinook Bee Farm. Um, they came over. A couple ladies came down with their truck. They had their suits. Uh, they had their smoker thing, and they had a big box or a bag. I can't remember exactly how they did it, but they, they got them into this bag. But I, I do feel bad for There was one of our managers, and it was almost like it was in a movie. She was walking across the, the parking lot, and this one bee just beelined right for her forehead and actually <laughs> stung her right in the forehead. And, it, and I'm standing out there by shorts and, uh, and t-shirt and they're not bugging me. I'm all around it, but it was, I kind of felt bad. And like, it was just like this one, just like, Oh, who's this coming at us? And it just like, you could just watch it. It was sort of like in that, <laughs> like, it was, like, it was weird. Like in slow motion. I was like, uh Oh, this ain't looking good. <laughs> <laughs> she got stung in her forehead, but she was okay. So, Anyways, um, we are going to chat gardening as well, but I, bees are a big part of the gardening with pollination and all that stuff. So um, we'll save some of that when we get to uh, to Pierre as well. And uh, we're going to chat about all that kind of fun stuff. I did get a, a text earlier. Um, um, one of our listeners got a bonsai from their um, son for Christmas. And, and it is a type of fig. And when they're in those little pots and when they do get a change of environment, they they can lose their their leaves a bit because they kind of get a bit of a chill or something, just a change of environment. Sometimes figs will. So at this point, and I just mentioned to her, just prune off all the, only the real brown branches that if they are totally dead, just prune out those. I would put the, the whole pot underwater and, and let it soak and fill up, um, just get the soil really saturated, and then also give it a, a shot of Rage Plus and, uh, and give that. So it sounds like she's already done that. And likely from your tropical area. Yeah, it doesn't like, I did move it a few weeks ago to East Location. So it sounds like she's doing everything, and uh, hopefully that will get that going, and uh, we can see that. Uh, if you and you are listening, so please send us a picture and, and let us go and um, let us know how that bonsai 
um, get going. We just got a bunch of new bonsai and orchid pots in. And actually, we've got another container of pottery that just arrived on Friday. So we got two new containers of pottery that uh, we'll be unloading in the next couple of weeks. So really looking forward to seeing that. We've got some really neat colors on the second one that came in yesterday. The first one was kind of more modest, but the second one has a bit more of the of the different stuff and some of that lava texture and a bunch of different things. So, yeah, looking forward to unpacking that. always love when you get new pots. And yeah, they're also, always fun to unload too. <laughs> absolutely. And here's a tip from Wendy. Good morning. Squeeze the lemon juice into your water and grade some ginger to add as well. Is that into our drink today for Super Bowl, or is that uh, for the germinating the the seeds? It must be for germinating. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> Hopefully, or or we're getting um, suggestions on Super Bowl drinks for later on today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and if you'd like to join us, rather we're going to chat with some gardening as well. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. Love to hear from you. And that is also the text line. And also, what else we got, Terry? Good morning, gentlemen. Where do we source big white water holders, usually squares with pipes? Yeah, those um, we, those aren't something that is produced. Um, they're typically from the... Make sure that the food-grade ones, I would just check Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace. Um, I have seen them on there, and they're usually fairly inexpensive. Um, yeah, so I, I think and I, yeah, that's where I would check. So, you know, you've seen those, Terry, those square? Yeah, I think they're, like, um, they're more in, uh, used industrially, like a, like a plastic tote. Yeah, that, and they, they have some metal in them. frame. Yeah. 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 So you just want to make sure that whatever was in there isn't harmful to your plants, and uh, and a lot of it is food grade stuff. Sometimes it's oils and different things. So just uh, yeah, check that out. And I have seen them quite a bit on, like I said, Kijiji or um, Facebook Marketplace stuff like that. Um, we do have water barrels and and things like that, rain barrels, but that is a bit more. Um, industrial and it's not really something for resale that we we sell retail so um, but check that out you should be able to find one I'm assuming and uh, should be able to go from there all right we're going to take a quick break Terry and then uh, we'll take a couple calls and we'll chat a little bit about gardening um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we are going to go to the phone lines. If you'd like to join us, 403-974-8255. And we have Peter on the line. Good morning, Peter. Yes, good morning, Merle. I'd just like your thoughts on this year's impending drought that we're, we're we're about to experience do i uh, do i buy rain totes do i buy barrels hire a <laughs> hire a water bomber or just pray for rain because yeah, i think we got to do some rain dances out there a bit um it all depends like I, I, calgary is um pretty dry climate for the most part 
I think when we have a, a moist year, it's a bit more rare than if it's a bit on the drier side. Um, it, it is like our you can the humidity is low. So like I, like I was chatting with um, Terry and we talked about it last week. Like over the last ten years of me doing the show or longer, um, we've always talked about um, water water wise gardening, soaker hoses, bark mulch, things like that. And and really, once you get your plants in good soil, and if you're using those waterwise methods, like Calgary's actually quite a easy climate um, to garden. And when we do get the extra moisture, I think it is harder. Our creek was overflowing um, two weeks ago, which is definitely about a month earlier. But it was definitely nice to see, like all the way back, like all the beaver dams are right full, all the way back. Um, so, which is a good sign. Um, so I'm not too sure how far back, um, that goes. And I, I'm a believer like this watching news and following the weather. I, I, it's, we go through so many cycles in, in Alberta and, and I think we're in a bit of a drier cycle right now. So I think we can do whatever we can do for, um, if you can, rain barrels are great. But if there's no rain, it doesn't matter. I think it's more what we do in the that, ground. That, that's exactly what happens. If there's no rain. The yeah, you can put as many rain barrels as you want out there. They're not going to get filled up. But, but the, um, big, the big question here is, you know, I have three three commodities. I got I got, I got got trees, I got a lawn, and I got a garden. Yep. The trees and the so, lawn I can't do very much with. I mean, they're, they're there. Well, you, you can. Um, you can do quite a bit. Like with your trees, putting a, like a three or four inches of bark mulch around the root system, Underneath, get rid of the grass from underneath the trees. Oh, yeah. Did that last year um, when you when you had it on 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 online one day, yeah. and I and that made yeah, a big it difference. It it does, and your in your plants because the roots stay cooler, the moisture stays in there, and you water way less. Like it's it's unbelievable how much less you water. But there, um, are there any things for the garden not to grow? Just uh, yeah, actually, and again, a lot of it is just getting getting your soil nice, like. Adding those organics, the sea soil, um, getting a good mix of compost mixed in there, and and that soil, um, and with watering with the drip hoses and things like that. If you if you're putting your big hose and the and the and the sprinklers going all over the place, um, you're going to waste a lot more. But if you're using those the drip irrigation or the sweating hose, like yep. I love, we have these fabric hoses, and there you can get them in fifty and hundred foot lengths. And it just sweats out of there, and it just the water goes in exactly where you need it. It's so good for your trees and for your garden. That, uh, but for really, I'm trying to think what veggies, and because my mom and dad, like we barely put out the sprinkler. Like we had it going, we get the stuff growing, but my dad always revitalized the soil, and he put the sprinkler on maybe every couple of weeks. And man, oh man, we had always the best garden. Like it was. So I think is getting your soil healthy, feeding it, and just the right amount of water. Like, and we've had some pretty dry years over the last 20, 30 years that I think for the most part what we're growing will do well in those type of climates because they're, they've adapted and they're a bit drought tolerant. Like if you're growing your carrots and things like that, unless it's dry like the dust, like the Sahara Desert or something. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just getting good soil, and a lot of it don't like to be watered too much anyways, right? Like, it doesn't want to be soaked. Like, you look in, like, it, 
a lot of our veggies are all grown in Mexico. Like they're not getting tons and tons of that's true of of water. So it's it's more the soil getting the water down slow and deep. Um, and I I'm not really worried about it at all. I think if it's um, the way it's been going, and I, and we've always talked about waterwise gardening. I'm like it, it's definitely something I'm not I'm not concerned about a whole lot. Like and with what we're recommending with our trees and shrubs. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I've I've taken that that the, I've taken that sweat hose that you're talking about, and I put a yeah. I made it put it in a little trench about two yeah. three inches down, covered Perfect. up lightly. And that made a big difference. So yeah, yeah. If you lay it on top and then even put your bark mulch over top, yeah, that works um, too. That, yeah. So those are just things. So most, for the most part, I'll be honest, Peter, I'm, I'm not really, really too worried. I, and we've always talked about conserving water and 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 doing like there's nothing worse than watching your neighbor water the street, right? And, <laughs> and the water's going down because it's so expensive too now. You, we in Calgary we pay for it in and out, right? So yeah, it's. Yep. Uh, so unless you have that much money where you can just pour it down the drain, go ahead. But I, I just, I really always, we've always done the conserve the water gardening. It, it's well, it's it looks like I'm going to get a good suntan this year. So yeah, get out there. All right, thanks, Thank Peter. Take care. Bye. All right, we got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. And we're going to bring in um, Pierre Marlowe, and he is the president of the Calgary and District Beekeepers Association. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great. And yourself? Yeah, doing really good. Excited about the football game. Yeah, it should be good. It should be yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> You had called in last week, or you texted, and uh, I think we had chatted about something else. And then we, you mentioned beekeepers, and then that always uh, um, in, in, uh, intrigues me, especially in the garden, because we do need those bees buzzing around our garden. And uh, so I thought it'd be a good idea if we if you came on the show. So I, um, and you're the president, so you you will have all the information. Anybody um, that's thinking about, hey, I want to put a a bee box in my yard. What do I do? Um, I have one quick question, um, Pierre. For sure. do, do, does anybody have those? <laughs> you know, like it looks like it's honey in a box. Like it has the hive, and then it has the taps on the bottom. Is that is that a real thing? And it, is, it, it is it a real thing. Calgary? Yeah, okay. it is a real thing. Um, I did I did try a couple of them actually a few years ago, and they weren't super successful for me. Um, I think they're better for a warmer climate than Calgary, but but it's a great idea because the idea is that as the season change and the bees are uh, foraging on different um, type of flowers, you can actually like tap very specific type of honey. So you could just kind of watch what they're filling and they're filling the frames and then you have this little tap at the bottom and when it's warm enough outside, it basically like you, you turn a key and, and the frame sort of, breaks itself sort of apart and it breaks all of the wax connection in yep. the cells and then all of the honey runs down and you can put it right into a jar but i i didn't have much success with it i'm not using them anymore but there's yeah, people were, in Calgary that are doing it and they're successful yeah because they're out of uh, the ones i was seeing they're at one of our garden shows um oh, yeah. like one of the trade shows 
and yeah, they were out of Australia, the ones that we were seeing. So like you were saying, yeah. it's probably a little warmer climate, things like that. Exactly. Yeah, those are the guys that have developed and invented it. So um, yeah, it's a okay. father and son. And um, yeah, they started this as a crowd um, uh, funder and it just took off and they, they, they produced tons and tons of those things. So for sure. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many how many members are in the Beekeeper Association in Calgary, would you say? So from year to year, it changes. But right now, so people are renewing their membership in January. So we are yeah. at about 300 right now. Um, oh, and wow. that's Calgary and the region. Um, we yeah. have a, a mailing list like of, you know, past members and, and all of that that is just over 900. So it's quite oh, popular wow. and a lot of people um, are involved. And it's such a relaxing hobby and... Um, I'm glad to be able to be on the show because, you know, if we can demystify stuff a little bit for people, because <coughs> sometimes bees have, have a bad reputation because people get a little bit worried about being stung and all that. Um, yeah, so I'm, no, I'm glad I'd to mentioned be that earlier to, to Terry, but for the most part, like when you're in the garden and you see one bee, you almost have to stop and, and look, and then all of a sudden you'll probably see like 10 or 15 or 20 bees because they... They, they almost camouflage in the garden. They just hover over top of the blooms, taking the pollen out, doing whatever they're doing. But they're not they're not buzzing everywhere like you'll see on a on a movie or like a, a swarm of hornets or something like that, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think the biggest problem that the bee population has when it comes down to their reputation is that people get all the different kinds of bees mixed up. So all the pollinators get thrown in one big bucket. So... You know, people go, I got attacked by a bee and it stung me 10 times. Well, that's impossible. Bees don't do that. Only wasps and hornets will do that. So because okay. if a bee goes and stings you, the stinger gets ripped out of her body and then and then it can never sting again and it's going to die shortly after. So the very last thing a bee wants to do is sting you because it means the end of, of her life. So that, okay. that's typically not what they're there to do they're, they're usually really busy just foraging and flying around and and their job is basically finding enough nectar and pollen to make babies so that they can bring enough nectar in to make enough honey to survive the winter that's really their goals so they're, they're, working yeah, they're just really, really sustaining hard. their nest right they are for sure like that's the, and and it's amazing it's such a beautiful society like there's a there's a professor in the united states called dr seeley um, that wrote quite many books about the bees and um, and it's fascinating like he studied how they work together as a yeah. as a group um, and they actually like vote on where they're going to move and if we talk about swarms a little bit like it's there's such a democratic process for them to choose their new house it's crazy so for me I love <laughs> the sociology behind it it's just beautiful okay so and I, I asked you to like this one of the seven things uh a backyard beekeeper. Um, yeah. So the first thing you said is you need a permit. And yeah, you do. You need to have a permit taken out by City of Calgary. So maybe let me know what that kind of is about. Yeah. So um, the permitting came into play about I think two or two or so years ago. Um, and basically, what it is is just making sure that um, beekeepers are good citizens in the city. So. To get the permit, you need to take a course, um, and it needs to be a course that's approved by the uh, City of Calgary. And the Calgary Beekeepers Association, we're actually instrumental in putting this course together. So we help the city with, um, you know, what should be, what 
people should be looking for in terms of, you know, bringing bees in their yard and having the proper hygiene to deal with bees and sort of understanding their behavior and all those different things. So if somebody has a, a beehive in their backyard, the theory is that they should have a permit and they should have taken a beginner's course. And we do teach a beginner's course, part of the CDBA, and we do it three times this spring. It's a two-day course, and we get okay. people in a room, and we feed them lunch, and we walk them through like bee biology and diseases and how to be a good neighbor, how to choose the proper stock, all those kinds of things. That's a good idea. They should almost do that with dogs. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, so, like, you see some pretty poor dogs, unfortunately, get treated, and they just people don't know how to look after them, and it's a... Uh, and unfortunately, it's a lifelong commitment. And that's similar yeah. to bees. Like, like when you get bees, like how get, will will your will your hive just keep evolving over the years? Or it like, does. Is there... it, it, it does for sure. It keeps evolving. And the thing that um, most people like, I didn't understand that when I got into beekeeping. But basically, like we're farmers, right? Like we, because yep. like, those those bees, like they require so much attention now with diseases and everything that's going on in the world. Um, we we are farming those bees, and so the animal itself is the hive. It's not the insect. So yep. in lots of ways, like and this might offend some people, but you know, in lots of ways, a bee is just like a cell on your body. So what makes you a human is like billions of cells, and then you are human made out of all these cells. Uh, yep. Bees just are all little individuals that contribute to the hive, and their sole purpose like the bees are selfless they will do whatever they can for the hive to survive as long as it can so um so yeah so that's kind of what happens so the hive goes through different seasons and it goes through different um it can go through different personality by changing a queen so if you had an aggressive hive um you can actually pinch the queen put a new queen in that is of a gentler stock and that queen will start making babies, and within six weeks, you'll get a hive that's got a totally different temperament. Okay, so, so it sounds like so, you're almost like a Game of Thrones. If you have a leader yeah. that's a little bit <laughs> chaotic, you could have a you could have a bad hive. So it, it, you got to swap out that right? queen. Yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. But I have to say, in the past yeah. forty years, there's been so much work um, being done to develop gentle bees so that we can have them in the cities. Like we do, um, the club does a thing called Saturday at the Hive where we invite our members to actually come to, like I get people coming to my apiary and then we spend a day there where we open Hive and we go through stuff and lots of people are not wearing bee suits and, you know, we can bring, we can bring people that have never been around bees and, um, and they're not like the bees when, I mean, you have to be smart. There's time where bees yeah. are really busy and they don't have time to deal with you. Like on a nice summer hot day when the flowers are in full bloom and there's been a little bit of rain, so there's a lot of nectar, the yeah. bees are flying and they don't care about you at all. They're so busy, they, they just, it doesn't matter. Um, when there's a storm rolling in and the clouds are out and it's raining, ooh, they are grumpy. This is not a good time to go play with yeah, them, that's they, for sure. Okay, they, uh, so, and so in one of the other things, um, you, where, where do you locate the hive on your property? So how do well, you assess that? Is it? Yeah, like so that that's quite important. So you, it's important to be a good neighbor, right? Like we're we're in yeah. the city, and there is quite a lot of 
hives in the city. So um, you're not allowed to put more than two on your property with your permit. So, and that's on a typical size lot. So something that is about 150 by 50. Like, so you're allowed to put two hives on that. And if you had a much bigger lot than that, you could put up to four if you'd ask special permission. Um, but what we recommend is that, you know, if you have a park that's right across from you and there's a path there, well, don't go put your hive right in front of the path so that they can fly to the um yep. to the park like we we recommend to put them usually facing south like there's something about the bees like to be woken up early and like to see yep. the sun early in the morning so facing south usually if you put them against a fence it forces them to fly up so imagine the bee comes out of the hive it hits like yep. it goes towards the fence and then it's got to go up six feet to clear the fence well, that means that all the traffic is going to be above, like, humans walking around. Don't point the beehives at your neighbors. Like, you know, just simple <coughs> things like that. So yep. we're asking no, that people makes sense. to, yeah, just to be smart about it. And um, and then, you know, when you take the course, we we walk p- people through that. We show example. And, and, um, and yeah, and then, of course, there's mentorship after, right? So people can... So to be a site, site assessment, I guess you could almost do where if you go to someone's yard and say... Yeah, actually, there isn't a good spot, or you have a great spot over here. Um, totally. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Peter, we're just going to put you on hold for a sec. We do have to take a quick break. We got to do in a couple commercials, and uh, we'll get back and we'll continue our bee conversation with Pierre, and uh, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with uh, Pierre Merlot, and he's the president of the Calgary and District Beekeepers Association. So we were just going through a few things. If you're doing a site assessment, looking at uh, a place to put some bees in your yard, you're looking to to do that. Um, and then also one other one I, I kind of liked, you have the bloom calendar. So when it's mixed in with uh, the gardening um, Pierre, um, yeah. So, is that something you guys publish on your website or things like that, or? Well, we basically for our members, we have a newsletter that goes out every single month, and then we give people little pointers on what's coming up, what's happening, and uh, part of that is our bloom report. So, basically, we ask our members the week before we put the list out to just kind of report what they're seeing blooming, like it could be in Perdis or it could be in Black Diamond or in Calgary yep. or in. You know, um, and we basically um, publish that to everybody. And then if you want, I can talk a little bit about the kind of plants that attracts bees in Alberta, because the bees are not able to eat um, nectar and pollen from every single plant. Like just the way they collect it, um, they're not able to reach always. Like yeah, as, what, are the, what are the what are the what are your best like top four or five plants or flowers for bees in Calgary? Well, it's funny. It's both trees and uh, and plants. So um, there's stuff like bee balm and aster and sunflower, lavender, goldenrod in the fall is such an important one because nothing else is blooming, but then you get goldenrod everywhere. Um, like And all of the big fields that are full of alfalfa, clover, the sweet clover used to be such an amazing crop and nobody plants that anymore, but um, sweet clover is just so prolific. People used to get hundreds of pounds of honey off of sweet clover um, and of course canola like in canola is one of the reasons why alberta is um, the largest producer of honey in the country we produce out of alberta about 40 percent of the honey that's produced in the entire country 
So, and canola is a huge part of that. And then, like, right behind us or almost at the same level as us is Saskatchewan. So between the two of us, we produce a lot of honey, for sure. Um, and then there's stuff like prairie crocuses and, of course, the dandelion, right? Like, everybody is at war with the dandelion. And I was hearing you talk about spraying earlier um, in the show. And the, dine, the dandelion are such an important plant for the bees because if you think about them, they've been in their box all winter, and they've just been sitting there waiting to eat, and they're eating their reserve that we made sure they had going into the fall. But then comes, like for us, I think, last year, dandelion, the first one we saw was somewhere around May 1st. So they haven't had like fresh food in a long time. And then dandelion comes out and the bees are like, oh, my God, finally, some nectar, some pollen. We can start making babies. We can start growing. Yeah. Um, and then people just go and kill them all. So and then you have this kind of dirt that goes on for another month before you start seeing flowers. So it's a great sort of like first nutrition for the bees. Yeah, you do. And and I, I will be honest, um, dandelions do get a bad rap. Um, absolutely. Hey, um, I have one quick text. Or can somebody just offer their yard, like, a, like adopt a yard if someone wants to put bees in their yard? They they don't want to do the course or anything, but they they would love to offer their their yard. Their up. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Just uh, send an email to our club. So if you go online and you look like the CDBA, like uh, so the Calgary yep. District Beekeeper, like you just go onto our website. And then um, you can send us an email, and we send that to all our members. Like, and um, and our members just basically go, yeah, I'm I'm interested. And then you meet with the beekeeper, and the club gets out of it. And then if you guys get along and you get a good feeling for each other, then yeah. um, basically we just uh, yeah we people go okay. and so we we probably have, I would say last year there was probably close to 60 requests to put uh, bees on different properties, and they got okay. all filled. Yeah. Okay, so Greg, yeah, you just contact them, look for the website, and uh, you can uh, send that question in. And it sounds like it's something that happens quite a bit. So, and I do, I do have to take another quick break here. Um, this time of the show is always quicker with with things. So we'll just put you on hold here, Pierre, and then we'll come back. And we do have Brian on the line. He has a question for you, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper as well. He's hiding out in the background where we're chatting a little bees, and uh, we'll get him in here a bit. Um, I do have Brian on the line. He had a question for you, Pierre. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. All right. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning. I have uh, what... just a couple quick questions, if you have a moment. Um my wife and I are actually on a wait list for, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, adopt a hive when a beekeeper comes out and puts it on your property. Um, of course, I can't find the email. We were on the list. Yeah. And um, we were told that somebody was going to come, and of course they didn't. But just a quick background is my wife and I have had two different colonies. Okay. And I lost the first one after a really bad cold snap about four years ago. I thought I'd insulated them, but unfortunately I didn't. And then I got um, another hive or a colony from an Al like Alberta bred uh, bees, and <laughs> they left. <laughs> and I'm not sure that... what I'm doing. Like we have six <laughs> to the city, 
Well, those things happen for sure. Like, um, so they will abscond sometime if they're just not happy, right? Like I was saying earlier in the program, like they do vote on where they live, and we basically think that we know better than they do. So we put them in a box and we go, hey, there's a great home. Like you're going to do great here. But um, the, the way they communicate and talk is via smell, right? Like so, they they use pheromone, and that's how they, and that's why we use smoker because when we go into a hive, we smoke them a little bit, and that way it it impedes their 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 um, um, their way of communicating with one another. So yeah. um, there might have been a smell in the hive. It might have been that the hive was not in a great location for them. Like they do, they will leave on you, and I've, it, that has happened to me as well. So. This is okay. not just something that happens, um, you know, to somebody that's starting. And then your hive that died in the winter, it'd be interesting to, you know, dig, do a bit more of a forensic on that because typically in Alberta, like um, some hive will starve to death in the winter because either they run out of food or you get into a cold snap and they just can't move. They get into a ball, they get into a cluster. And then yeah. when they're clustering, they're not able to move to where the food is. So sometimes they'll die of starvation and there's food there's food like literally four inches away or two inches away and they just couldn't move to get there because it was too cold um yeah, and then finally I, we did uh, we did have the syrup in for the winter right so yeah it, syrup again like should be removed before you get into oh, the no, winter sorry, not the syrup. They, they had enough frames so sorry that's what i meant yeah yeah so those things can happen and then there's diseases too right so you you may have had some varroa mite which is quite nasty these things like they they can, um, we lose most of the hives in Canada to, to the varroa mite, which basically brings viruses into the, uh, into the hive. And if you were to think about it, if you were to take like a dinner plate and put it on your body, that's about the size of the mite compared to the size of a bee. So you've no got kidding. this big critter attached to you that is constantly chewing on your fat body and it's injecting okay. viruses into you. And so um, if you don't control that during the summer, what happens is in the winter, like the bees are infected with all kinds of different diseases and then they just, they can't stay strong enough to fight the cold, so. Okay. Yeah, but in terms of uh, your request, send a request again. Like it's possible that you were in an area where um, there was no beekeeper nearby, like, or like, I'm not sure what happened, but please resubmit and we'll send it to our members and hopefully we'll find you a good match. Okay, what's the uh, website again? I apologize, Sarah. Um, if you do a search for the CDBA um, on, on Google, it will come up, but it's uh, Calgary Beekeepers is the name okay. of the website. Okay. Yeah, it came up right away. I just typed in CDBA and it popped up right away, Brian. So Yeah, yeah I'm in front of my laptop here, so I appreciate it. can't find my email Good. from last year, but I can find that right away. So Yeah, no awesome. problem. Just All send right. us an email and we'll help you out. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Brian. you very much. Uh, very informative. Right. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. And have you ever heard of a bee hotel? Um, we, one of our listeners, Gail, uh, received one for Christmas. Yeah, well, I think you sell some at your store as well, right, for mason bees? So yeah. we, we keep talking about um, uh, the honeybee right now, but in Alberta, there's over 350 different kinds of bees, like native bees. And okay. um, and the bee hotels are used for a lot of the solitary bees. So things like the mason bees and some of the cutter bees, and like there's a whole bunch of them that will use that. And those are good pollinator too. And and it's one of the things for us as beekeeper, we need to be aware that we're not managing those, and our bees can take a lot of space. So we need to make sure that we continue to protect the native bees so that they don't go with it extinct on us because they don't get the human care that the honeybees do get. Okay, so 350 varieties of bees. 
Wow. Yeah, there's there's about 850 in Canada, and um, and we have about 350 here in in uh, in Alberta. In Alberta. Okay. I'm wow. not an expert Crazy. of native bees, but um, but yeah, it's uh, 375 species. So when it's stuff wow. like minor bees and digger bees, mason bees, bumblebees, leafcutter bees, like there's a whole Every bunch of, of them. Yeah, and a lot of them don't sting. A lot of them don't make honey. A lot of them are just pollinators. Some of them um, will make their nest in the ground. Um, some yeah. of them will only have like um, a small family, and some of them will lay eggs and leave and never come back. Like it's it's a very um, right. we got we got to leave uh, we got to leave for a for a break for the news here, Pierre. Actually, we'll put you on hold. We'll do a little bit more. And because uh, I think we're halfway a bit through our list or not even. Uh, but when we get back, we'll chat a bit more about bees. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. And we do have uh, Pierre Marlowe on the line as well. And he is from the Calgary and District Beekeepers Association. Um, so Pierre, we're gonna we'll we'll continue. We'll chat a little bit more about uh, about bees, and uh, I guess I'd like to chat about feeding your hives. Like I know, kind of heard a little tidbit from Brian there about putting syrup or something. So, but yeah. how do you, how do you feed your hives? Well, we basically use um, sugar and water. So we do a mixture in the spring of one-to-one sugar syrup, we call it. So like okay. you basically go weight for weight or, or volume by volume, water to sugar. You mix it and then we put a tray on top of the hive. And what that does is basically it supplements food in the spring. Bees need to have a nectar flow to raise babies. Like they basically, to raise babies, they need to make royal jelly and to be able to do that, they need to have like a nectar flow. But unfortunately for us, we have such a short season that we have to feed them early so they can build a population big enough because we like coming out of the winter, we have about 10,000 bees in our hive. But at the peak of the summer, we may have as much as 80,000 bees. So we need to go from 10,000 bees to 80,000 bees in about six weeks. So for us to be able to do that, to hit the nectar flow um, and that's if you want to have honey right like some people just like having bees back there and they let them do their thing but if you want them to build up and be able to make enough honey for you to take away and then enough for them to keep to have over the winter um, we need to feed them to make that happen and then in the fall what happens because we do take some of their honey away we basically give them that water sugar water again which is just like nectar but it's a lot cleaner fuel for them because you got to remember okay. they're in the box for like five to six months without being able to fly out although here we're lucky with chinooks like i had bees flying in january which is always kind of weird for me to see bees flying like over the snow but um but they don't go to the bathroom for a long time so when they're eating honey there's a lot of mineral and a lot of good stuff in honey but that's all stuff that gets stuck in their gut and it's challenging for them but when we feed them the sugar water um, there's basically no like it's so pure it's so, it's been so um, uh, like purified that basically like they don't need to go to the bathroom as much and that's way better for us in terms of disease control because you don't want them to by accident start going in the bathroom into the hive because then they got to <coughs> clean all that up and it could spread disease so yeah especially if you're confined in an area right like it's that's sort it. of yeah 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 you got to keep your areas clean and yeah. things like that. No, that yeah. that's actually quite interesting. 
Yeah, um, sorry, I'm a bit of a Terry... geek, so I go on tangent. I, and I just yeah, no, no, I, that's time. good, though. <laughs> um, quiet quiet time on radio doesn't go over very well. So, actually, do we have Terry <laughs> up there, Renee? Maybe, Terry, do you have any um, questions on uh, on beekeeping? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, um, the practicality, I guess, of, of a smaller yard. Um, you would, I think, alluded a, a little bit earlier on the size of the yard. Yeah. What what's the kind of I guess the smallest space that that's, that this could be done in successfully? It could be done in a very small space because really, like the bees will fly like five to seven kilometers away from the hives to pick up honey. So most oh, wow. of the honey that is collected in Calgary actually, like they do go and forage on flowers that are close by, but most of them will actually fly like to the outskirts of the city and go hit like those alfalfa fields or go hit those canola field and bring that back to give you an idea like for one bee to or for like a hive to make um a one pound jar of honey um it for them the amount of flying they have to do to collect that is the same as a bee going around the world like one and a half time so that's the amount of flight time they have to put in to be able to bring in one pound of honey in the hive wow so wow that's pretty crazy Yeah, yeah it's incredible yeah yeah so, so, so you could so be in a very average, small yard. So the average homeowner uh, with the you know uh, modest sized backyard, this could yeah. be something that they could uh, look at doing successfully, eh? A hundred percent, for sure. And then that's where the course is super important because it will tell you how to be successful because you don't want your bees bothering your neighbors. And, and a thing people forget is that like a hive will reproduce. Like so a, a hive has a cycle where it tries to have a baby and... And that's what swarms are. And we should talk about that a little bit because I think a lot of people are scared of swarm and swarms are not um, dangerous. It's where the bees are the most gentle. It's just very impressive. Um, and also like bees need a lot of water because they basically use water to cool down their hives. So they will go and get droplets of water and they'll put that all over the inside of the hive and then they blow their wings. And by doing that, they create convection um, heating or warming but they use that as air conditioning so bees are always looking for water so we tell our beekeepers in town to basically keep water close by for the bees to be able to drink and then if people don't do that then they may go and bother neighbors and end up in pools and hot tubs and stuff which we really don't want so right um just because we don't want to be bothering neighbors so those are all things we teach people to make sure that they do it right and that they are good neighbors with bees Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, that... I I have heard of gardeners um, putting, uh, um, like, what's the best way for them to access water? Like, I've heard of gardeners putting stones on um, saucers and that kind of thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, totally. So people do, like, I mean, you know, if, if you like having bees around and, and you want to give them, um, you want to give them water, uh, you can get some of those little chicken water and put like gravel where the water comes out and then the bees can walk on top. They they can drown easily, like um, their exoskeleton, the way it is, like as they walk, they can kind of get caught into water and drown. So right. you need to give them surface so that they can um, just kind of walk on it. And then they can absorb water from like a piece of fabric, for instance. So some people, what they do is they'll put a piece of fabric in a bucket that wicks on top of the bucket. And then the bees just go onto the fabric and they suck the moisture out of the fabric. So that's another way to do it. But they'll go to little fountains. They'll go like, you know, if you've got some sand that's wet, they'll go and they'll get the water by there. But it's important to give them a landing sort of uh, space. If you have a um, 
uh, a bird bath, like, you know, put some gravel or some rocks on the side so the bees can go land on that and then go and drink from the water bath. And they'll get along with the birds, like if the birds don't decide to go for a quick snack. Yeah, actually, well, I was down in Mexico. I seen them, like, they'd always land in the water all the time, too. Yeah, it could be a different type of bees because in Mexico, they have some bees that are very different than the ones we have here. So, okay. um, so it might not be like a, a honeybee. Um, some of the native bees uh, are a little bit different as well. Yeah, they were, uh, I was coming for, I don't know what they were doing, but, but they seemed to get stuck. So I pulled about uh, 20 bees oh, out a day. Yeah, it's helping them because they weren't stinging anybody, and they're you see that little guy in there swimming around. So you kind of, yeah. I better help you out, get him to the shore, and uh, oh, drive nice. him off. And yeah, no, that's, that's nice. uh, that's cool. so uh, awesome. Well, I think um, you've answered a ton, and if we get questions, um, people are more than welcome. Like, look up, uh, and you go to calorybeekeepers dot com, and I think. Um, you guys sound like you're you're uh, an active club, so which is great. And uh, so, if anybody's into the bees, um, get a hold of Pierre, and uh, and and uh, we'll look at getting you on again once we get into spring, Pierre. And we'll yeah, we could talk about the swarm then, because there's yeah. there's a lot around, and people people need to know a little bit more what to do, and and we take care of a lot of that, like the club as a swarm catching team and all that. So I'd love to come back and talk to you guys about that for sure. No. Absolutely. So let's keep in touch. And thank you so much for your time today. It was awesome. Totally appreciate yeah, it, was, it. And uh, yeah, it was great. Thanks, Pierre. Yeah, no problem. Right. Anytime, guys. Like I really appreciate it. Maybe I can come to the store someday with some toys. And, Absolutely. Um, if you want to do something, we, we could do it. Yeah, actually, we'll set up. I know I, I included Lisa in on that email. Um, yeah, we could maybe do a bee workshop or something. I think would that be would be great. Phenomenal. We'd love to do that for sure. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, well, Pierre. Thank you, guys. Take Have care. a great Sunday. Bye. You too. Bye, bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, Terry, that was uh, – and, and, and bees are important, actually. I was just looking on there and my, caught my host. They have education and inform, information presentations and the less formal bees and beers. And and they have the bar BQ check. So they have <laughs> – so, so like, yeah. Bees so and beers, lots I like of, it. Yeah, bees and beers. That's uh, – yeah. So anyways – if you'd like to join Terry and I, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And um, actually, there was one more question, but uh, unfortunately, I, um, Pierre's gone now. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's Talk Gardening. Emerald Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper as well. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I do have Patrick on the line. Let's go to the phone line. We'll chat with Patrick. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Doing great. How can we help you? I've got two yards that I've got questions about. In my yard, okay. I've got some cherry, cherry bushes, the Romantic series that I bought. They're about three, four years old, so they're three feet, maybe four feet tall, and I'm not getting any cherries off of my bushes yet, and I wondered what I could do to promote that. Hey, Terry, you want to take that one? 
Oh, Terry got disconnected. Um, and your so your cherry trees. Are you getting lots any blooms on them? Uh, not many. No. No. Um, it, it, are they in lots of light? Like, do, are they getting full sun or? Uh, they're getting quite a bit of light. They are. They do have a fence behind them, but that's okay. more on the west southwest side, I guess, in the yard. Okay, because sometimes that can cause an issue. Um, if they're not getting the good light, um, if they're in a shady spot, um, you'll tend to not get many blooms. So I, that, that would be one of the biggest things I would check is ensure that it's getting proper light. And then fertilizer. It needs to be fertilized with a higher middle number. So like a 15, 30, 15, something like that. we got to build the phosphate up in the soil. So what you can do if you haven't done that is to ensure that you water it well in the spring. And this when you see it just starting to pop, like when they're pushing bud, you can give it a fertilizer with 15, 30, 15, something like that. Do that once a week for four to five weeks in a row just to build the phosphate up, get it blooming. And and then, then from that point, um, the pollination will start. And uh, and then the, then you need some bees. <laughs> so, but, I put uh, some bees. I put some mason bees out this year and built a little house for them, but oh, nice. they didn't tend to stick around. So okay, but yeah, um, that that's typically what I find. Like with the with the fruit trees, and a lot of times it's light. It's if they're in a nice bright light, they they'll they'll tend to bloom a lot more. Um, if yeah, they, they only get... if they're be if they're behind a fence or only getting five or six hours, I, I find it's not enough. Yeah, I think there are seven to eight because my garden okay. does quite well on that corner. So, Yeah. So if they're getting the good deep watering, and how many years have they been in, sorry, again? Patrick? About three, three to four, I think. Okay. Yeah, so you're you're past the stage. They should be blooming in that by now. So what I would do is just ensure you get them on a good feeding program and even just cut, like make sure you do a tree well around them and, and put um, bark mulch in there. And then that helps um, keep the moisture in and keep them hydrated because they're okay. some of the cherries that are a little harder wood. So, all right. Sounds good. All right. And good luck second, with that. Let us know. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Se second question is my daughter moved out to an acreage and she's taking over a garden that was left for quite a few years, I imagine, because um, it's full of weeds. And I want to get rid of them so then we can grow vegetables out there. I've tried yeah. turning them off with propane. I've tried yep. uh, vinegar, and I'm wondering about Roundup or something like that just to get rid of them so we can stay I, of it. If I'm doing a veggie garden, I wouldn't do Roundup myself. I know they say it's okay, but I, I just I wouldn't do it myself. What I would do is this early spring, um, I would turn I would turn it over, like get a rototill in, rototill up. Unless it's if there's lots, is there grass or mainly just weeds? Uh, there's grass in there as well. Yeah. So that's the harder one, too, because sometimes the more you chop up the grass, it's going to be a more bit of gross. labor. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, what I would do is I'd rototill it all up um, early spring um, when they're just coming, and then just kind of keep on that when they're young, like keep cultivating them up. Okay. Or, yeah, and that's kind of your best bet. And then at that point, add some... Um, organic matter, like maybe at that point you want to add some um, compost or, or some sea soil. How big of a garden is it going to be? Uh, it's quite a big 
quite large. It's probably maybe 40 by 40, say. Okay, so good. Yeah. So we if you go on our website too, we have a like we have the garden mix, so you'd want to get it in bulk and you can you can we have a a yard uh, calculator, so it'll tell me how yards you need and maybe put yep. 4 to 6 inches of of new loam on top of there of the of the garden mix and okay. uh, and and kind of start fresh like revitalize the soil and uh, so give it a really good um um, cultivating first, turn it over, and then find your area, define it, and put new four to six inches of new loam over top of that. And then it's really just keeping on it. Like when they start coming up, I love one of the three-prong cultivators that you have in your, like just a, a cultivator of that. Or you can, if it's fairly big like that, there's also some of the the new electric or little gas-powered little cultivators. It's just it has to be. It's there's there's no way around it. Like it's a bit of sweat equity in it and maybe in the pathways put bark mulch down like where you're walking in between the garden rows um so you don't have to do it all but in between the areas it's it's just going to be going through with that little three-pronger and when they're small they just pop out nice and easy and uh and then go from there okay what about putting newspapers some other kind of barrier over top yeah you, you yeah old soil? Yeah, before so as soon as that before anything's starting to grow, um, you could definitely try that. You could put a, a layer of newspaper, but weeds, as you know, almost they can go through asphalt and through everything, right? Quack grass. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, but we yeah do a layer, but that's a that's a huge area, and 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 so you pin and down. You could you could do actually a layer of landscape fabric like over top of that, then put six or eight or 10, 12 inches on top of that and just put landscape fabric over top of uh, the existing area if it's really, really bad. Yeah, okay, great. All right, I just, I don't like using the weed, like the, the Roundup when the veggies, like I'll use it in my plant beds all the time in certain areas, but when I'm doing food, I just, I prefer not to, so. Yeah. All right. Okay, great, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Patrick. Bye. Um, Bye-bye. Hey Terry, um, hey. when you when you're dealing weeds, like there's almost like you got spray or you got it's 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 uh, what I find is keeping on it right from the you're beginning. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can if get you that let them weed, get away on you, yeah, you're done. If you can get it when it's a few inches high. Um, far better than when it's up to uh, up to your hip, right? So get on them early. Yes, absolutely. that's how you that's and, how you win win that battle. And the soil appreciates it too because you're kind of aerating. And like I said, I love the little three prong. And then as your garden grows, you can remove the two outer prongs. You just end up with one bigger um, prong in the middle, and you just go through. Then you can go in between the rows, and it works great. Like it's 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 therapeutic as well too. It's a uh, it's a good little workout, and you and you feel good, and it's good for the soil. So um, just giving that little cultivate. And uh, and get on it from the beginning and and pull out the ones like if there's any flowers, seed heads, and stuff on the weeds, it's just pulling them out. The hardest one is the quack grass. You get the grass coming up, and sometimes when you chew that up, you end up creating more grass. You so make it's, more, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a little bit tough. So weeds are always uh, always the tough one. Um, and here we have a question. Good morning, Merle. 
I have a Romeo cherry tree in my backyard, south-facing, half-fertilized, about four years old. My problem is last summer I had a million blooms, beautiful, but majority of the blooms or cherries fell off. I think I watered enough. Do you know what could be going on? Happy Sunday. So, Terry, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? You got about a, a minute and a bit. Yeah, so cherries are self-pollinating, so uh, it's not a pollination issue. Uh, it has to have been something wasn't right. I'm, I'm guessing that maybe uh, suffered t- uh, temperature uh, extreme and probably did the blooms in uh, would be my first guess. So uh, I'm not sure where uh, they live, if they live in an area maybe outside of the city perhaps. or Yeah, they said the uh, cherries fell off. So they got to a point where they did get some cherries on there. Okay. Oh, the cherries um, fell off, not the blooms. Yeah. Blooms okay. or cherries. They said the majority of the blooms or cherries fell off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, my thought there would be uh, probably consistency in watering. Um, possibly the, the, the tree became stressed in some way and sort of decided that, hey, we can't support all of this uh, fruit production this year. Um, kind of my first thought. So what do you think on that? Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and blooms on a lot of these flower on these trees don't last long to begin with. Um, like it depends on if we get a rainstorm, wind. Like I wish we could have the like I, I seen on the news yesterday or day before that the cherry blossoms are starting to bloom in Victoria, and they go oh it'll go for six weeks. Like in Calgary, we get our blooms, and you'll see that beautiful <laughs> gladiator or your. Um, whatever blooming, it, it's and if we don't get a rainstorm, we we get a week, right? We get blooms, yeah. and then we're <laughs> and then it's done. So it, it it's a quick thing to begin with. Anyways, we'll take a quick break. When we get back, phone lines are wide open four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Sorry, I put had my mic off for a second. I was drinking some water. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, sorry about that. Welcome back to Let's Talk Garden. I'm Earl Coombs. I am here at Terry Kemper. And we've only had uh, guys calling. So we've had Peter, Brian, Patrick, and we got another Peter. So good morning, Peter. Good morning. How can we help you? So... I was wondering what the difference to water your garden with uh, tap water, Calgary tap water. It's the rainwater because I find that Calgary, uh, the rainwater grows grows everything a lot faster. And the second part of my question is, are we allowed to take water from the reservoirs like Ghost Lake and uh, Glenmore Reservoir and fill up a thousand gallon tank so that we can uh, water our lawns in the summer? Um. On that, I don't think you can. Like, if you went there, pulled up with a tank in the back of your, and then you had a, a suction pump, is sort of what you're thinking, and fill up a tank. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't believe so. That would be a question on three one one. But okay. I'm pretty sure our waterways are protected, so that way um, someone doesn't have. Yeah, I, I I would think not, but I I don't know that for sure. Um, okay. You can go to, but you are getting ta- city water as well. Um, you can fill up at uh, fire stations and stuff like that. I know our water trucks, we go there. Um, they fill up at the water, at the fire station. Um, you can fill your tanks up there as well. For so, free. It's, 
it's 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 a way less. I, I think it's twenty five bucks, or I can't remember exactly what it was. It's been a long time since I've sent or trucked there. Um, but yeah, it's pretty reasonable. A lot of the water companies and stuff they fill up at the at the fire hall, so you can um, go to there and uh, and fill up. But again, I would call three one one or call one of the fire halls. I know in the south, I know the one in Midnapore has a has a filling station. I see water trucks heading in there all the time. So you can check that out. Um, okay. And sorry, what was the first question? Why? Like, I find that rainwater grows everything oh, yeah, yeah. a lot better and faster than the Calgary tap water. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see, I guess, if some people have salt, or if you have a water softener, things like that. No. Um, but yeah, I I haven't had much experience, like bad experience with that. Uh, but I also haven't watered with pure rainwater to know the difference. So, but it, it kind of makes sense if you have straight water without chlorine or without anything in it. Um, it would make sense. I know uh, the internet has me drinking um, hydrogen water now. I bought one of these little bottles that fills. You hit the button and it fills your water up with hydrogen. So uh, um, I'm drinking that now, so I'm not sure if that's doing anything. But, um, yeah, to me, Peter, I think it makes sense that you're going to get um, that as well. So, yeah. Is that – there's not much. Yeah, I don't really know. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I think some people say our tap water is really bad, and other people say it's cleaner, it's better than most bottled waters you get. So I I really I I haven't done enough on that or testing. Terry, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was going to say it's actually nothing that I can speak to because I've not I've not you know, uh, experimented enough to, to know from, you know, watering one plot with uh, one kind of water and another part of your garden with another. So, um, yeah, I just don't know enough about it to, to really weigh in on that. All right. Well, thank you so much. But but it does make sense, though, Peter, like what you're saying, like if you're getting good pure rainwater, um, yeah. I, I think I would use that all day long if you can. That would be my, so. absolutely, that would be my go-to first, like drain those rain barrels before you start reaching for the tap. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah, those are like, and it definitely, and I kind of don't like going down those ones because you get down the rabbit hole and then there's all double <laughs> conspiracy and stuff in our water and chlorine and da da yeah. um, It's, it is, it, it is, a, it's our life source though, right? We need good, clean water, um, no matter what, um, it, uh, it it is important. But for plants, I hope they're not putting too many bad things in our water, and uh, hopefully they keep it uh, um, clean and uh, and uh, drinkable for us. Because we 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 are pretty lucky to be in an area where we we do have a fair bit of water, and water management is important. And and we've talked about that a couple times, um, and. Got a quick question here, Terry. When do I start geraniums from slips or dormancy? Um, for what I would do, if, if my geraniums are dormant, I would get them growing. Your slips, your your cuttings will do so much better on that new growth. So right now is you, you really want to repot them, um, get them growing, 
um, get that inch or two of nice new growth and and those ones root up in like a week like that's that's you want yeah you want that nice tender new green growth and you'll get beautiful little geranium cuttings from there so and you want to start them pretty soon typically the end of february so the next couple of weeks um and I, it's not a great memory but i remember we always used to do them and it was when the space shuttle blew up because I remember doing it as work part-time after school and we'd go and we were taking cuttings at the time and uh, it's when the space shuttle blew up. So that was kind of my, when I hear geranium cuttings, I get a flashback of, because that came on the radio and it was, uh, that was, but I think that was in February of some time when that happened as well. Um, I don't have the exact date remembered on that. So, um and actually, here's someone who's piping in on the water. Rainwater makes plants grow better because it contains nitrogen. And that's from Althea. So that's awesome. So thank you. Um, that makes sense. I, like I said, I, I think anytime we're using natural water, we're going to get uh, uh, better results as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, the more natural you can keep it, the better. Absolutely. All right. And actually, here we had another one. Dude, <laughs> Reva Las Vegas here. So that was Brian's wife. Um, she called in. She goes, killer show. We are learning so much. Before we lost our first hive after four years, our hood could not believe the bounty of the fruit trees. Yeah, because of the pollination. We had bumper crops too. University of Spruce It Up, free education, LOL. Well done. Thank you so much, Reva. But it, it is, I think, when we talk about that, get the ecosystem going in your soil, the ecosystem around you, and, and get them all working together, and then that's really what you get your garden going, right? Being conscious on your water source, your soil, and then also your, your pest management. Like, you, want, you don't want to just go spray malathion over everything just because... Um, you've seen a, a, a fly or something, right? So it's, and uh, so I know we talk about that quite a bit. And my son was transplanting some um, plants with his girlfriend, and they had fungus gnats all over. And I said, it's really, they wanted to spray something because like, everybody just wants a solution. And I said, well, let's fix the problem first. I think you're probably watering too much. Let's aerate the soil a bit. Like, let's get rid of the, the problem without dispraying there always isn't just the easy button right you have to figure out why is it happening okay let's fix that first and then if you need to uh, help out a little bit and get rid of some bugs um that works out well as well but we're we're obviously in the business of selling that kind of stuff but i also just don't want to sell it for the sake of just selling more spray like when it doesn't need it so anyways. yeah and when i'm talking to um uh, customers in the tree lot i'm very conscious when we're having those conversations like so what is that? Yep. What is this insect doing in your yard? Is it just on one tree? Is it just on one part of the tree? Um, rather than you know sending them home with uh, you know a bunch of product like you said, malathion or you know do we is yep. it something that is it bad enough that we need to jump in on this or can we just let it take into care of itself? Yeah, you're I, not Rambo out there with uh, yeah. hooking up the, the exactly. grenade. And, yeah. <laughs> And letting her rip, right? Yeah, I remember sitting on some uh, um, uh, courses last uh, summer when we were in uh, Columbus there, and uh, some some insect courses, and they were talking about for, uh, and this really stuck with me is that for every one bad guy we go after, we risk 
um, you know, doing harm to up to 10 good guys in the yard. So it's really something you got to measure and assess, like, how bad is this? And is this something that I really need to jump in with? Or can we just sort of uh, mitigate it somehow um, without going to the extremes of, you know, um, a lot of pesticides? So. Absolutely, and we talk about that with weeds, weeds or bugs, because I, I know I talk about that. Yeah, some absolutely. We, just spot spraying your weeds, but the problem is, first, let's get your grass healthy, and we talked about using the green that lawn fertilizer and all that, and that will help with the weed management. But right yeah. now, we got a commercial management. we got we got to okay. take a quick break. <laughs> I look down. We're a couple minutes over. Um, when we get back, phone lines are wide open, 403 nine seven four eight two five five you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary welcome back to let's talk gardening gardening i'm merle and i'm here with terry as well oh so it was january 28th is when the space shuttle challenger explodes so end of january beginning of february so all right. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And if you'd like to join Terry and I, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And we do have Stan on the line. Good morning, Stan. Hey, Terry and Murra. Hello. You know, when you, put, when you put the two names together, you guys sound like a wrestling tag team. <laughs> oh, you should see us out in the tree lot. We're ready to go. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hey, here's a concept. I'll, I'll yep. have to read this out to you. Eat your garden free of weeds. That's what I do, you know? Like 20% of my greens that I eat in the summer is just the, the weeds, and they're really edible. I'll tell you what they are. Actually, if somebody looks at me gardening, they think I'm a monkey out there pulling, you know, uh, like plants <laughs> of the ground, eating them. I rip yep. the roots off, though, and most of them yep. I eat raw. Number one, probably the best tasting is lamb's quarter. And it's okay. from the quinoa family. If you if you planted quinoa seeds, what would come up is lamb's quarter. I don't know if you knew okay. that. No. And you know what it really improves? The, the lamb's quarter, they have this silvery powder on the bottom of the leaves when they're two or three inches high. And I bet you that is silica. I started eating that, oh, 10, 12 years ago just constantly in the summer, my eyesight improved like crazy. I'm almost sure that our lenses in our eye are mostly made up of silica. I mean, I haven't okay. looked into it or tested it, but my eyes, inc just incredibly. Number two, red root pigweed. Red root okay. pigweed, I think they named it because pigs love it. And it's the amaranth family. In fact, I think, isn't there a gardening or a food store called Amaranth or something? Yep, yep. No, it's a health food store, so it, uh, I think the interpretation that it must mean it's healthy. Well, you know what red root pigweed does, and I looked into it a little bit. You know, like older guys, they get really thin, like just like almost like cellophane uh, skin on the uh, back of, or the top of their hands. Yep. I started yep. eating that, and it thickened up my skin like crazy. Oh, and really? pigs seek it out because they get sunburned easy, and it's got yeah. just tons of collagen. And you see that weed everywhere. Like, I'm just, oh, I just yeah. Google. I wasn't too exactly, but, yeah, it's one that you see. It, it pulls out real easy. Has that little, oh, yeah. The so roots you, are quite you eat the leaves on that? Big. Yeah, the leaves. And uh, 
the stems, even when they're young, you know, like maybe six inches high or something, and that get watered, yeah. it almost tastes like asparagus. Yeah. Okay. And okay, and the third one is portulaca, green portulaca. Yeah, I've seen that one quite a bit. That one is that little persculin, right? Is the other yeah, name yeah, persylene, right, right. And yeah. it's it's a what do they call? Like it's related to aloe vera succulent. It's a succulent. You know, yeah, people... it's to the portulaca. Yeah, the persylin is the. I think a lot of times we'll get those seeds. Like when we when I used to grow the portulaca, and we'd seed it. Sometimes you'd get the one that come out and revert back to the the more native variety of the perskillin. So, yeah, I'm talking about the wild one, and you know yeah. what it does? It in okay, uh, Pakistan is the news. In Pakistan, it it could be the number one vegetable, and it is just full of omega three oils. They yeah. they use it as in you know they can't afford chickens like a chicken broth. They put portulaca in there, and it has uh, a material called hydrolonic acid. Okay. And it um, it makes your skin uh, hold water. Um, and the Italian lady told me, I, I love gardening, so I help people out. And this lady says, back in Italy, we would eat this stuff. So I started eating it. I weeded it out of their garden. And, you know, in a couple of days, I looked in the mirror. I couldn't recognize myself. All my wrinkles went away. My skin just swelled up. Because of that uh, hydrolonic acid in it, well, and, and we that's the way bottling, to get rid of weeds. We should well, we should be bottling that up, and we could have a lineup instead of that the Botox thing. We can just uh, we'll do that at Stan at the Garden Center. We'll, we'll fix your skin up, and uh, and uh, and uh, and go from there. But you know what, um, Stan, if you don't mind, if I put you on hold, is it okay if uh, um, Renee takes your um, name and number, and maybe we'll give you a call, and maybe we could talk a bit more about this. Actually, I just had someone text and suggest that maybe we you come on and we chat a bit more about that. It's it's interesting, and you sound like you're a wealth of knowledge. So I think we'd like, if you don't mind, maybe we'll tap into you a bit, and yeah, maybe no, we can that's chat. A good idea. Right? Yeah. So actually, I'll just put you on hold, um, Stan, and then uh, and we'll get your name and number, and we'll get in touch, and we'll get you back on, and we'll. We'll do Terry and I'll do a little bit more research on it as well, so we can have some answers. So we're not just uh, um, we're we're not just the offensive line in the garden center, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Dad. Take care. Um, actually, in the time we got, actually got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. And uh, that's it is interesting, Terry, the all the different stuff um, we have in our garden. And when you when you when you sort of dig into the the natural remedies and things like that, um, and even talking with Pierre on the bees, uh, how important like dandelions and and dandelion. Um, is a very beneficial weed as well. So um, it'll be interesting. We we can do a bit of research. Yeah, it's and I guess we got to be, yeah, we got to be careful what we're recommending. So uh, and uh, as well, I don't want to because uh, sometimes home remedies can be more dangerous than some other stuff. So we got to be um, careful on all that as well. So I, I know like people talk about using vinegar in the garden and some of the 
worst things can be. Um, some of the vinegars out there are so corrosive. You get it on your skin, it burns it twice as bad as a Roundup wood or something, right? Like it's, it, it's so some of the things out there we got to be careful. So um, we'll we'll chat with Stan and see what we can get going and and uh, steer people on the maybe a little direction on eating some weeds in the in the garden. All right, let's go to Joe right now. We got Joe on the line. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I hope I've got an easy question for you. I want to do some planting this year. Uh, big clusters of things like black-eyed Susans, but they're very expensive to buy a whole bunch of plants. And I thought about growing them from seed. Uh, any tips on doing that time of year and what you would actually plant this in? Um, a lot of the perennials, um, those ones like black-eyed Susan, you can start. A lot of the perennials are a little tougher. Um, they, they take a lot longer to germinate, um, but there is quite a few plants you can buy and you can split them up. Maybe I'll, I'll just chat with, let Terry answer this. This goes into a bit more of his wheelhouse. Terry, um, Joe's looking at uh, doing a bunch of perennial planting this year. Yeah, absolutely. It can be done, but like you were saying, just know that it's going to be a little bit more of a journey to get there. Um, if you're expecting a, um, a huge drift of, say, coneflower, for example, um, you can start them, get them going this year, uh, but they'll probably need a couple years before they're up to um, producing the effect that you're looking for. So, But no, you can certainly start um, black-eyed Susans, coneflowers. Uh, I would I'd caution on, you know, some things just don't come great from seed. Um, you know, succulents, for example, uh, like um, a stone crop or um, sedums and stuff, that would be one that I would, you know, maybe buy three or five plants, grow those on for a number of years, and then divide those um, from, uh, from the actual uh, crown of the plant themselves. But just know that if you, if you do go the seed route uh, with those that are uh, good ones to start from seed, it'd just be probably a few years for them to sort of bulk up and um, give you the effect you're looking for. Okay, great. Thank you. And uh, what's the best way to grow them at home if I want to start it that way? Uh, is it just in regular pots? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, just again, uh, with with it being a seed, uh, you're going to, uh, and you're doing it at home, you're going to want to make, light is going to be your biggest um, uh, biggest need, right? So make sure that if you do start them from seed, um, you've got the right lights to put them under so that they're not stretching and, and doing weird things on you. Uh, that's probably the biggest the biggest and one of the uh, things of with perennials is heat from underneath makes a big difference. So if you get if you get those the seed trays with the the individual little six packs in them, so you have the little pods. So you put each yep. a seed into each one, have the plastic cover, but have the heat mat underneath with the growth. That makes a big difference on the perennials because they just they do take quite a while. And if you get that heat from underneath, it definitely makes a big difference. All right, uh, a little more involved than I initially thought. Thank you for the advice. <laughs> yeah, no, in perennials and some of them you can take cuttings and stuff, but I would um, really look at um, definitely start some, like start out with a tray or two and don't go crazy, like get some success. And most of the seeds that we're selling, the perennial seeds in the store, those are the ones that are going to be a bit more retail friendly. They're going to, they're probably the ones that germinate a little bit easier. Um, they've been proven and uh, and go from there. So we do have a perennial section in our West Coast seeds and the other seeds that we carry. 
so but this yeah get the get the heat mat things like that and then you should be good to go all right thanks a lot guys have a good one all right take care all right all right terry thanks and um actually we do have a few well, i already got a couple of questions on um, how, where's that guy with those, what gets rid of the wrinkles, but we will get Stan back on and we'll, we'll, and we'll be figuring that out and, uh, and then go from there. Sounds um, good. Thanks, Terry. All right. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're it for the, that's it for today. And, uh, we'll get our garden on right back here on QR Calgary next week.